Hi, friends. Join us as we dive into the themes, metaphors, and foreshadowing of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We are your hosts, Leah, Sarah, Tabby, and whether you're a new viewer or a longtime fan, welcome to Becoming Buffy. guys welcome back to becoming buffy uh today we are talking about season four episode 14 goodbye iowa and i'm really struggling here guys (laughs) we were talking about it before the podcast started this stretch of episodes is just not really my favorite and it's hard because you can see the potential of what it could have been um and you see like there's some really really good themes and some good ideas and it could have been so interesting but they decided to make the season so much about the initiative and less about the individuals that make up the initiative and what make it so compelling because ultimately Buffy is a character driven show um and i think they kind of it got lost in translation and so now we're left with Adam versus Maggie Walsh Riley more than Buffy and so it's just i don't know what do you guys think of this episode I okay. I don't like the initiative. I think it's really boring. Uh, if I wanted to watch a military show, I would watch a military show. That's kind of what the vibe of the initiative gives me. Um, but I will say I like that Riley isn't cookie cutter in this episode. Yes, I like that I they agree. give him because here's the thing. I like that they explore love interests in this show. I like that they explored. Obviously, we love that they explored Angel. Um, I like that they you know, have Anya more in the show and that, um, like we have seen like Oz, we got to know Oz. My complaint with Oz and some of the other love interests was that they just didn't, they were too perfect. Like they didn't have any bad moments. And so I like that with Riley, Mm. we really see an ugly side of Riley this episode. That's a good point. Yeah. And I like it. I do. I mean, obviously it pisses me off, but like, I like that, He is human. He's going through Mm -hmm. a huge life change. And especially that's that's heightened because he's, you know, been fed uh, different toxins and medicines and stuff. And so there's a chemical thing going on as well. And so it's heightened. But just in general, I like that we see him not being so like there's emotion and he really hasn't had a ton of emotion. Um. And I like it. I like that we're seeing him kind of tussle through things. And it may not be – he's just not my favorite character. And so mm-hmm. it's not like I'm so compelled. But uh, I like that they chose to do that with his character. Yeah. I agree. That's a really good way to put it, Leah. And that is something I did appreciate about this episode. And that's when I'm like, oh, yeah, I can see where you're going with this character and with this this episode and with this season. Um, again, it's not done super well. And there's some problems that we will talk about for sure. But I, I did like what you had to say, Leah, about how it's like Riley's breaking out of – this idea that has been fed to him since he was, you know, who knows how long. He's still young, but it's been fed to him both, you know, on a physical level and then also a emotional and a mental level. And we're seeing that all come to a head as he's grappling with the truth. And anyone who has come out of a belief system 
um, that maybe wasn't the best, understands this feeling of my foundation is gone. I'm not sure what is truth and what is not. I've been told that this was this was what I'm supposed to believe. Sometimes it's life and death. Um, like if you've been a part of a cult or a really toxic religious organization or whatever, um, I think that this indoctrination and this um, breaking out of that is a really interesting storyline and one that I really resonate with and I absolutely love. Um, and I think it makes Riley infinitely more interesting and more of a compelling character. But real fast before we jump into the episode, just a quick announcement for you guys. We, if you noticed, uh, didn't actually take a break from the podcast during the holidays. And the reason why is because we're going to be taking a hiatus um, in February. The reason being is I, Sarah, am moving with my family. We're actually moving cross country. We're getting out of the Air Force. Uh, it's just a big move, all a huge life change. Um, and it requires just 100% of my attention as anybody who has ever moved understands. So next week on the 2nd of February, we will have Investigating Angels episode dropping. It's I think it's I've Got You Under My Skin. And then the week after that will be a break. So the 9th and the 16th will be off, but we will be back the 23rd with becoming Buffy's this year's girl. And then we'll just continue as normal after that. So only a couple weeks, we'll be back. Never fear. We're just going to take a couple week break. So yeah. All right. So Goodbye, Iowa, written by Marty Noxon, of course, directed by David Solomon and aired February 15th, 2000. I do have to say, I felt like this was one of Marty's better episodes because sometimes some of her episodes are a little weird um, and some of the dialogue is a little um, odd and clunky, but I felt like this episode like was a bit better. It's not perfect for sure. And there's things that I'm don't really like about it, but I feel like it was it was pretty good. So Goodbye Iowa refers to the end of normalcy, um, Iowa, Leah. That's in the Midwest. It is actually pretty close to I know, I know. I, I've had my uh my lectures. <laughs> He's from Iowa. No, um, it refers to the end of normalcy. So uh there's a stereotype about Iowa that it is probably like the most like basic corn fed uh, state out of all the states that um, not much happens there. And so there's this idea that uh, Riley is normal. Riley is everything that Buffy is hoping for in the sense of a normal life, um, but it's Riley's turn to have an identity crisis. Mark Field talks about how this episode is the culmination of all the themes so far, identity, indoctrination, science versus magic, individualism versus collectivism. He talks about how society often dictates what is normal and that they may sometimes clash with our true authentic self, saying, it's indoctrination by society which forces us to be normal, and forcing us to be normal prevents us from developing our authentic identity, and the conditioning we receive from society can be seen as stealing our true organic identity and replacing it with one society. Society prefers. Maggie Walsh was a metaphor for all these aspects of society because she occupied multiple positions, including professor, military leader, etc. She served as a representative of the way school, government, and society in general force us in the same direction, um, which is also interesting because she's kind of like even a metaphor for motherhood as well in some cases. Like as a mom, you're supposed to guide and teach your kid, like okay, we don't pick our nose in public. You know, like we teach our kids certain social cues often for their benefit, like wash your hands. Cleanliness is important. But Maggie represents what happens when you have that toxic um, mother relationship and that toxic female figure. And I, yeah, it's just interesting because, you know, the hand that rocks the cradle, that whole thing. 
So Maggie's ideology was shown in a new man, which we talked about recently, and it was in direct opposition from Giles, who thought Buffy and other young people should be allowed the freedom to develop on their own. Of course, when Maggie couldn't control Buffy, she tried to kill her. So like now with Riley, we're seeing what happens when someone has been raised that way, when they've been controlled and told how to develop and what happens when their worldview begins to crumble. Um, And like we talked about before, Riley is the very definition of normal as stated throughout the show. And because of that, he's probably going to look the most like what society wants someone to look like, which in some ways is kind of the antithesis of Buffy, who is very anti um, what society wants her to be. She's an independent woman who has a, I guess you could say career, a job on the side. She has superpowers. Um, and so I think that like in a lot of ways, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see like as time goes forward, her and Riley, um, as he either starts to assimilate and become more like her, or if this is going to completely break him down. Uh, This episode, we see denial in Riley, then anger, then questioning, and then we have the crisis point as well. Um, And I don't know, like kind of like what we talked about earlier, this episode definitely made me like Riley more than I have before. Um, Again, just bummed that the buildup wasn't better. I feel like this show could have done a better job with making us care more deeply about Riley before this. So the impact of this would have hit harder because I feel like it's Or just hints of him being drugged. Like I feel like that was just dropped on us so quickly. Yeah. And there was even inconsistencies about it because I think was it the previous episode where Riley and Buffy wake up together and he takes his pills and we're like, hmm. And then in this episode, you find out that like the food is drugging them supposedly. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. There's a few things. And I was like, was it also like eating that food? <laughs> well, but also like, do they always eat there? What happens if they eat a meal out? Like, what the yeah. frick? Like, it just uh, doesn't – it's a it's a bit of a faulty plan. It's a messy episode in some places. Yeah. I will say the other big bummer for me is this episode jumpstarts the initiative arc as the overarching one, but it does so through Riley – not through Buffy. Riley is the emotional crux of this episode and of the season moving forward, not Buffy. And I've been waiting all season to say this, and I can finally say it now. The biggest weakness of season four is it often derails Buffy's storyline to focus on Riley. And the arc that is activated in this episode is Riley's while Buffy has very little at stake emotionally. Sure, she's like, oh, is Riley going to be okay? And she's disturbed because he's not doing well. But at the end of the day, like, who does Adam impact more, Buffy or Riley? Riley. Like, Buffy just needs to beat his butt, you know? So I love season four. Oh, good. I'm glad someone does. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I would get that off my chest. And I will say – after this episode, there's like two – there's an, a great arc <laughs> there's that's two about to happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had, we had several really, really great episodes, but like the past like three have been just really hard to get through. I think it's also – this is the first um, villain that we've had that has like zero emotional impact on Buffy. The only connection that Adam has to Buffy is through Riley, which is what Sarah said that Riley is the emotional crux of the show of the season, not the show. Season four, season four is about Riley's story, really, yeah. and not as and much. I Buffy's. just, I think that's a huge fault to the show, not because Riley is this awful character, but it's because sure. 
why have the main character not be the main character yes. of a season? Right. Or Especially the emotional, she, like, anchor of the season. When she has been the three, like, three passions, I know they were trying to switch it up, but it's like, why wouldn't you try doing that with a main character on the show already? Like, if Giles was the main one or Xander yeah. or Willow, like, I don't think that would go over wrong. Um, it would be a little funky, but maybe it could be done well. But it's like, why have the new character mm-hmm. be the one you're putting all your eggs in their basket type of thing? Yep, exactly. no one cares. Like, sorry, yep. if the whole initiative burnt down and Adam, you know, went down with the ship, I'd be like, okay. And Riley like, went too. We'd all be like, oh, I'm yeah, really sorry for I'm Buffy. Like, oh, Buffy, but not no, because her of Riley. feelings. But like, Riley, right? I'd be like, okay. Exactly. I. Uh, that's so true because I like – I know the season revolves ro- a lot around Riley, but like I never thought about the specific direction of like this is the first big bad that just like if, if being taken down in this episode would be like Buffy be like, okay. Whereas like right. if Buffy took down like the master, that would be a huge like weight off of her shoulders because she mm-hmm. has this huge like anxiety yep. and like fear when it comes to the master. Same thing with Angel. And then mm-hmm. with like the mayor, it makes it complicated through Faith. And then Faith is also kind of the big bad of the mm-hmm. seasons. So that would be a huge toll on her because she's a foil of yeah. or like a mirror of like who of uh, Buffy. Uh, but whereas like in this episode, it's like, okay, if you shot him right now, if you beheaded him, we'd be like, okay, next episode. You know, like exactly. it has nothing to do with Buffy. Yep. So like it's, that's tr- I've never thought about it like that. Like maybe that's what it is. It's like, like there's usually like this like anxiety when you get to a Buffy fi- finale, right? Mm-hmm. I never felt that in season four. And I just never thought about the fact that like, like Adam is just there to kind of like represent the scientific world and the magic world, like Sarah said. Um, but, like, uh, what makes it a season good is, like, all the stuff you can bring out of Buffy's character. So if he's mm-hmm. not representing that in Buffy herself, then it's going to be What's a flat season. Yes. But also, the past villains brought stuff out in other characters as well. The Master brought stuff out totally. in Angel. And he brought the gang together because there was a common enemy. Then it was, like, Angel brought stuff out in Giles. Because yeah. he killed Jenny. Then he brought stuff Sander. out in Xander. Ugly mm-hmm. stuff. Sorry. Uh, then you have Faith who brought stuff out in Xander and brought and stuff in out. And Willow. And Willow. And so it was like each villain didn't just target things in Buffy. It targeted things in multiple characters so that you got a full effect. Whereas like the initiative, no one has touched the initiative except for Buffy. Exactly. And Riley. And, yep. Yep. And that's why I will go down on the ship that killing Maggie Walsh was the worst possible thing they could have done for the season. We talked about this last, last episode, but Ma- who did Maggie Walsh touch? Willow admired her, saw her as like this epitome of like female professor who knows everything, psychology and stuff. It would affect Giles. Giles was threatened by her. Giles really was frustrated with how Buffy seemed to be replacing him with Maggie. That would have been so interesting to explore. Riley's her teacher. Right. Riley with his Yeah, I don't really issues. like Walsh, but I would have absolutely taken over mm-hmm. Adam because there would have been something there to pull out of each of the characters and especially right. Buffy. Well, and then think about Buffy having to like decide, is she going to kill Maggie, who is human? But then also it's a – we would have had our first woman villain, like big bad villain. We haven't mm-hmm. had that yet in the show. So – and then on the other end, it's just icky that in an, a season that is so overtly about the patriarchy versus feminism – 
Um, they decide to focus on the male representative of that, which is Riley and his emotional story. And true journey. in a feminist Versus, show, <laughs> yeah, exactly. In a season that's all about magic, yeah. science, feminine versus masculine, like it just doesn't it doesn't come out right. And again, all this makes sense once you realize Joss had mommy issues and was working through things and decided to make Riley kind of his his voice versus Buffy a little bit. And that's not to say Buffy's autonomy is completely gone and her voice is gone and stuff, but it just it it's why people struggle to emotionally resonate with the big bad of this season is because it ultimately affects Riley more than it affects Buffy. And that's that's what it is. So goodbye Iowa on that. <laughs> Let's get into <laughs> this episode. <laughs> So that we start off like right at the end of last episode. So we're this like is a two-parter. Jazz's- is it really? Yeah, this is technically the second part. Isn't that weird? Why? Oh, what do we mean? The first part. The first <laughs> <laughs> <I> forgot. <laughs> well, okay. It is it is important and and we will actually figure that out in just a minute because if you guys think about it, what happened the night before? Do you guys remember from the last episode? Or did you just block it out already? What happened it's been the a night while? Before? Y'all, she we died. had an entire Christmas break in between. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> You're <break>. right. That's <laughs> fair. <laughs> okay. So, what happened the night before is Maggie Walsh tried to kill, or no, sorry, what happened earlier that day is Maggie tried to kill Buffy. The night before is Riley and Buffy slept together for the first time. And then who goes kind of evil? Who seems to be going cookie? Riley. So there's a perpetuation of themes and Buffy's got to be really triggered right now by the fact that – because right now they question, does Riley – was Riley in on it with Maggie? And for a brief moment, Buffy doesn't know. And I just – I bet she's having flashbacks to An- Angelus and Angel and stuff. So anyway, I thought that was kind of sad. I never thought about that. But I also don't care that <laughs> they sewed together for the first time last episode. I just – I thought – I just assumed this whole time that they were, so. You also said cookie instead of cookie. <laughs> oh, did I say cookie? <laughs> it's so cookie, guys. <laughs> I guess who's going a little cookie. <laughs> <laughs> Give him his cookie. He needs a snack. He's off his beds. So we start off right at the end of last episode in Giles' house. Um, Buffy's kind of like telling the gang, mainly Giles, about what happened with Walsh. And then Spike is just saying they're like giving – and feeding in doubt with Riley, which I feel like I'm like, oh, Spike's storyline is somehow has like different facets that we've been missing the past couple of episodes. Like I like he's been like this source of like comedy and humor, but I feel like the direction that they went with him in this episode, I was like, oh, this is cool. This is interesting. So I appreciate that part. Like he's he's like feeding a lot of like um anxiety into Buffy. Yes. And that's interesting that you bring that up, Tabs, because Passion the Nerd made a really good point about Spike in this moment. He says, I think it's important to keep in mind that Spike's commentary on Buffy's personal life sometimes feels like it has a whiff of truth to it, but that's because Spike is a manipulator and he knows the best places to stab at Buffy are at mm-hmm. the things she already fears about herself. Spike speaks enough truth to seduce Buffy into a bit of the old self-hatred, but I think it's important in our reading of the show to distinguish between truth and Spike's manipulation. And this is where, like, I know I mentioned this before, but this is so interesting because, like, this moment of doubt is so, it's worse for Buffy because her and Riley just slept together for the first time the night before. And yeah. we know that Buffy is sensitive. Like, it's echoes of Angelus all over again, not to mention the fact that she was also incredibly hesitant to be in this relationship at all in Doomed because of this very thing. And then while Spike 
doesn't know about all this. He does know enough and he's using it against her. And I just, I, my heart breaks for Buffy in this scene. Well, and then everyone's like looks of like apprehension too. Is that yeah. a word? Yeah, no, it is. Apprehension. Okay. Well done. I was like, I knew <laughs> apprehensive, but I was like, I'm just going to go for it. Um, But like everyone like looked and was like real quiet and you could tell that they were like, um, <laughs> we don't know if we trust Riley. And the poor right. girl was like, huh? Like, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I feel for her. Giles was like, Maggie Walsh tried to kill you? <gasps> The horror definitely didn't see that one coming. He's like, how do I muster up some shock here? He's like so composed, but you can see on the inside, he's like, thank God she died. Thank God. <laughs> Buffy says Walsh made sure that that Riley wasn't around, which is true. You can see Buffy like thinking rationally here, which I appreciate. Um, and then she's like, I don't think anyone's really safe because the initiative knows where we are. Um, well, did you notice that Giles um, says, I still don't understand, Buffy, what happened that would make Maggie want to kill you? And Buffy kind of like pauses for a minute because, again, this reminds me of Innocence where Giles asks Buffy what happened to cause Angel to turn because one of the catalysts for her trying to kill Buffy was B- Maggie saw Buffy and and Riley having sex obviously was also with Buffy, like asking questions and other things like that. But I'm just like, there's a couple of little parallels here that I've never caught before. Um, Buffy says that maybe she was asking too many questions. And then we have this like random jump to like Adam walking outside saying absolutely nothing. Good job for you, Adam. <laughs> Doing <Yay>. the most. <laughs> yeah. Then walking we jump around. back to Giles' house. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> and, um, they're like, okay, we need to relocate because we don't know we feel safe here. And then Jaws was like, I- I'm not going to squat in a dark hole. <laughs> Meaning like Xander's basement. Wait, but wasn't he over there having like a fruit fruit punch or something like a couple episodes ago? Like it seemed fine for him when he was hanging out with Xander just one-on-one. <laughs> There's a difference between hanging out and then like living in a high school or a uh, – uh, teenager's basement that he was their library. That is true, <laughs> I, that is true I guess. <laughs> Jaws like, I have one last scrap of dignity. Don't take yeah, this no. away from me. <laughs> um, Jaws is like, the initiative isn't going to come in here. And then Riley pops in. I was like, all these, like, I feel like season four, more than the other seasons, has this specific humor a lot, which is really funny. It's Where like people the, just say break something. into Giles' house. <laughs> yes, or like he's just constantly just like irritated or put in uncomfortable situations. Like, I love this. Giles needs a lock on his door. I think they're so used to uh, vampires, which like That's can't true. come during the day and also can't just enter your house. So to them, <laughs> there's like a safety of like just chilling at Giles' house because – they can't get in and then it's like broad daylight and like riley walks in they're like oh frick like (laughs) you can just come in one part about like television that just honestly gives me so much anxiety and i know it's it's like a tv show or whatever but like no one locks their door when they close it in shows like especially sitcoms or anywhere like anytime i watch friends they'll just be walking in and out and they'll close the door and everyone's in there it's like two in the morning and you (laughs) see people walking and no one's locking it it makes yeah. it makes me so stressed. Or when they're like close it like in the middle of the night to by, like um kicking everyone out, and then Monica will just walk out of room. I'm like lock the door. Like oh, it just bugs me. It's right up there for me with people hanging up without saying goodbye on TV shows. I was like, no, oh yes, I know goodbye. Like <laughs> the other person's over there. Like hello, hello. Was our conversation done? Like what's going on here? Or like the little like um weird sinister moments where they're like um. 
oh no everything's fine and then they just hang up like i'd be calling back like seven times robin like are you good <laughs> <laughs> like you know what i mean like these things don't we work mad? in real life are you mad yeah. at me are we okay were yeah, you just hung up real. yeah um buffy kind of tells riley that she tried killing her um and then he's like not quite believing it and then riley sees spike and is like that's hostile 17 <laughs> <laughs> i like he's- forgot that he's supposed to be like hiding from them <laughs> yeah. and i think they all did too and i think that's what makes this moment so funny it's like <laughs> he's just sitting on the stairs and, he- and like riley's like intense then he's like wait a minute well and the spike is like what did i say last time i saw riley and he like tries to do the accent again and he just gives up <laughs> well it's funny too because james marsters was originally they were going to have spike have a texan accent um when oh they gosh, first created God, the character do that. and so james marsters doing this accent is kind of making fun of that original accent that they had but also this is really important because from here on out like riley starts to question everything. So he walks in. He's like, Buffy, what happened to get her side of the story? She tells him Maggie tried to kill her. And he's going having like a cognitive dissonance moment where it's like, okay, this isn't making sense with the Maggie that I know. He's not sure if he should believe Buffy. Then he looks over and sees Spike, who he's been told his entire life, like vampires, demons, bad. And he's going, wait a minute, should I trust you? And so this is adding like a little bit of doubt into his believing Buffy and which – it leads to him spiraling by the end of the episode. I think it kind of threatens this idea of like his internalized metaphorical misogyny, but like in this world, like <laughs> demon, human, good, bad sort of mindset. Um, right. Which is kind of like the first seed into like Riley this episode. Riley's not mm-hmm. the issue this episode. Like like it, he did a not like his character, but I mean like like his – um his interesting storyline. So like the way mm-hmm. that they did Riley, I think was well done other than the whole uh, drugging thing. That part was like, huh? Um, but I feel like they planted a lot of seeds. This is what happens when you don't focus on Buffy and you focus on someone else. And he's the sole purpose of the episode. Of course, his like building up is going to work out well, but like he's a side character. Like I need well, more Buffy. I don't know that his buildup was that great like i know what you're saying like they built the seeds of his relationship with maggie his relationship with the initiative but apart from the initiative we don't know any of riley's hopes and desires and dreams apart from his relationship with buffy the show instead of building riley as an individual character and as a person who has all these like these desires they just created what we know of Riley around his relationship with Buffy so when we get to this moment we're supposed to be invested in Riley as a character and an individual apart from Buffy and it doesn't work because they've just shoehorned him in a relationship with Buffy and said that's all he wants that's all he wants in life that's all he fears instead of actually believably building us up to like Riley really hopes to one day settle down in Montana and have a you know like something but they didn't do it of that and because of it we're like why do we care that this character's in pain apart from what he brings to the table with his relationship with Buffy you know for sure I think I'm more just speaking of like when it comes to just the initiative like obviously I want more depth out of Riley I'm talking about like the episode and how they make him spiral work gotcha yes I would agree yeah yeah he like there's definitely aspects to Riley that like I would love to kind of like understand more do we really have time and do I really want to give that time to Riley's character? Not really, but like in an uh-huh. ideal world, yes. Um, yeah. So like Spike leaves and then like Riley's mad about Spike and has that internalized like, you know, struggle going on. And then Xander like stands up for Buffy and is like, hey, like, wait, what did Xander say? I didn't actually write it down. 
when he was I like it he he pretty much told um Riley to back off and said like hey like she's the one who almost died because of your commander oh yeah back yeah. off yeah. of her like and I was like Yes, dude. Like, this is what I want to see is, like, people actually defending Buffy instead of yes. jumping on to bag on her. Like, I like that, yes. like, Xander was quick to be like, dude, jump off. Like, you're the one who's kind of the problem or bringing the problem here. Well, and then, like, even in his conversation, like, he's, like, definitely in, like, a delusional part in his stage of, you know, um, trying to process and is like, well, maybe, like – Walsh was being controlled. Like right. he's like, giving all these excuses, which he's I feel in like denial. Is, yeah, totally. Yeah. Which makes sense. Um, not that like I don't know. It's tricky because it's like it is a big accusation for them to throw on him, especially when he idolizes Walsh. Oof, it's a rough situation because it's like you obviously, from our perspective, we believe Buffy, but it's like from his perspective, this is a very tricky situation. Like my girlfriend's saying that Walsh like tried killing her. And I want to believe her, but like, you know, he's been looking up to her. She's also like his higher up. So that's very complicated. He's asking the right questions and he should be like not totally believing any one person. He should be like getting answers from all sides. The problem is Riley, like Leah has mentioned before, has not been taught to think. And so in his mind, it's always been just blindly obey. And so he doesn't know how to ask questions and think and believe anything other than what's been fed to him. So he's freaking out right now because he doesn't know how to question. Yeah. Well, and then Buffy, who is the, you know, OG questioner, asks him about like 314. Right. <laughs> and then he's like right? mentally spiraling and then just dips. Uh, yeah, because he knows 314 exists. Yeah. Well, and then he's like never really thought about it until Buffy mentions it to him last mm-hmm. episode. Free thinker um, right here. Yeah, for real. And then we jump to the woods, that poor baby boy with a robot toy, and then we conclude that he probably, well, we find out later, he does kill the sweet little baby. Yeah, based off of Frankenstein's monster, the whole operant conditioning thing, he is what he is told he is, you know, because he says, what am I? And the boy and he says, says, you're a monster. A monster. Yeah. yeah. The boy doesn't even seem scared. I'm like, this is such a Sunnydale boy. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I see you guys around all the time. You're just I've been a monster. In the hell mouth. <laughs> I've seen worse in my days. Uh, and then you see Riley sulking. I mean, uh, brooding. <laughs> I'm walking around at campus at night, and there's a difference between the two. I'm like, can I have angels <laughs> brooding again? <laughs> I don't want to see him walking around sulking. You know what the difference is, Tabby? The difference is we care. <laughs> True. <laughs> Brooding versus sulking. Do we care? (laughs) That's Um, so true. To make this worse, the song that's playing in this moment is actually Buffy and Riley's theme song. So I swear to God, I've never noticed their. I could Most not tell people you what don't. It I think like. I'm gonna next time I will play it so that everyone actually like knows. And when you hear it, you'll be like, "Oh, it just that? sounds like background music. Like it's not distinguishable." Yeah. Well, it is somewhat it is somewhat distinctive, but we haven't had like you know with Buffy and Angel like that defining moment in becoming like we all know exactly what it sounds like. Um, yeah, but it, they also played it like a ton in season two. Like every time they were together, theme. <laughs> so we that like really true. had time to like memorize it. Yeah, there's been a couple of times where they haven't played it here and they played the stupid guitar music while they're like sparring. I'm like, play their feet. What is going on here? <laughs> they don't care as much. They forget. 
the editor's like, oh, yeah. shoot, I should be playing this. Their, their editor doesn't even care about their relationship He either. has the tape like Adam does on his chest. And he's like, shoot, takes out the, the one for like Riley and Buffy, sticks it in. Oh, please don't bring me to the tape part. I'm not ready to talk about it yet. Oh, guys, I- it's not even a tape. It's, that's a that's – a- Floppy disk. That's a no, floppy I'm disc. not ready to talk about that yet because I have so <laughs> many thoughts. So okay, all right. We'll shelve we'll shelve that. We'll put that tape in when we get to it. That floppy disk. <laughs> I was dying. Oh my gosh. Never put technology in your show if you are not willing to see how badly it ages 15, 20 years down the line, man. Same that that makes me cringe, and then um, modern lingo that people put in TV shows really or oh, movies make me really yes. cringe. Like, like especially if it's a period drama, and they're like you know saying things that you would say. Uh, just normally. call out the specific movie you're thinking of, Sarah. <laughs> oh wait, what Persuasion? movie? <laughs> Persuasion. Oh, did oh, I tell I was... you the things that were said in that movie? Oh my gosh! Dude, At one point, one she goes, with, she goes, um... he's a ten. I never trust a ten. Oh, that. Oh, no. Okay, I'm sorry. You can do it with some, but persuasion, the tone of it. Not, not Jane Austen. Not, not Jane Austen. Emma, you could kind of maybe get No, but no it, modern but lingo. Persuasion. No modern lingo. Like you can make things modern in a certain way, but not the lingo because it's supposed to be in like what? The 1800s? Like it doesn't oh, yeah. work. Or 1900s. Yeah. Persuasion. That book is amazing. If you saw the movie, I'm so sorry. Go pick up a book. It I is did. And I, I just want all time. I wanted to see it through. And I deeply regret it because now I'm like, oh, like I just can't. The book is amazing. The movie, I refuse to watch it. it no, Sarah, is you, you, would, you of, would get angry. Yeah, I would. I got angry on the trailer. I watched this. I was like, what is this trash? I take I take literal works very seriously, hence my Buffy podcast. <laughs> anyway, and 314, there's a carcass on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely transition. Well done. What Nine I don't understand stars. is, yes, I know she died, but also, like, why aren't they still supposed to be hiding this room? Like, yeah. why is everyone just allowed in it now? It's the same scientist, dude. Yeah, Dr. Engelman was in the last episode in this room. Him and Maggie Walsh were the only ones that knew about it. No, I know, but I'm saying, like, all the cadets and everything are standing right there. Uh, well, they d- okay. What ends up happening is they don't tell everyone that three fourteen, like the monsters escaped. They say, "Oh, the Polgara demon escaped because she got stabbed with the same weapon that the Polgara demon had." So they think that this was just where they were keeping the Polgara demon for testing. They don't know that like Frankenstein's monster was in there, Adam. But yes, excellent question, Leah. How very Buffy of you, and unlike Riley, to ask <laughs> all these excellent questions of the episode. Three Bravo. excellent questions. <laughs> I quote that all the time now. And then <laughs> we go into the basement and John, oh my gosh, Anthony Stewart had his humor comedy this season has been top notch. Like he's like lying on the floor uh, on like this beanbag. And he oh, it's, looks no, it's so a blow up chair. The ones that squeak every time you move. <laughs> Oh my gosh, he looks miserable. The writers were literally like, how can we make Giles as out of his element and as uncomfortable as possible for this entire season? Okay, we're just going to do that all season long. Oh, and then the girls are watching Roadrunner. Buffy was how we were watching the Roadrunner growing up. She's like, that would never happen. Like, I know it's supposed to be, like, entertaining to watch, but I would get so mad because I would just get anxious. I'm like, can you just catch the freaking Roadrunner? I hated him so much. He was such a bully. 
Okay, so you guys are gonna hate me for this. I'm so sorry, but there's a reason why this um <laughs> this cartoon oh. is in this episode. <laughs> Um, so there's a couple observations. It can't just uh, be a casual cartoon. <laughs> I mean, I cannot tell you. We can move on. But I know I'm going to get like a ton of DMs from people being like, tell me, tell me. All right. So first and foremost, the white and orange shirt that Anya's wearing to sleep is the same one that Xander wore in something blue, which I just thought was so cute. Speaking of three excellent questions. All right. So it is rare that something is put into the Buffyverse without a deeper meaning behind it. And first and foremost, Wiley e. Coyote and the Roadrunner are a WB cartoon, which is probably why it was chosen because Buffy aired on the WB at this point. Um, but Wikipedia talks about how the Coyote uses all sorts of tricks and fancy weaponry to capture the Roadrunner, but is never successful due to him not embracing or using his animal instincts. And I thought that was a nice parallel to the initiative using gadgets, but not being as successful as Buffy due to the lack of fundamentally understanding why demons do the things that they do. It goes against instinct as naturally humans, we tend to just, we want to know why. Why do things work? Why do people do what they do? Why do animals, we even try to, we assign human characteristics to animals often in an attempt to understand why they do what they do. And the initiative, not even questioning and wanting to figure out why demons do what they do goes against instinct. Um, and Wile E. Coyote's uh, Acme technology it backfires on him constantly. And so Buffy's saying, oh, that would never happen. Like Gregory Stevenson, he's an author of televised morality. He claims that the irony is it does later happen. The initiative actually embracing technology unfettered by moral guidance ultimately causes its own destruction in creating Adam. So it's just, it's very interesting. And I know you guys are like absolutely like Holding the edge of your seat, so gripped, so interested in this. I love Is that Wiley analysis. <laughs> oh, thank you, Leah. Thank you. What'd you say, Tabby? <laughs> oh, I thought so. <laughs> no, it has nothing to do with you. I just like for when you first started talking about it, and you said Wiley Coyote. I literally thought you were gonna be like Wiley Riley. It was here for <laughs> Riley Coyote. <laughs> I literally thought no. you were going to do that. I was like, Tad, Sarah. That's so good. <laughs> Riley Coyote. Oh, it just it writes itself, man. <sighs> that's hilarious. I'm putting that in my essays on Instagram. Riley Coyote. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tabby. Giles comes in as annoyed as can be and turns off the TV. And I love how <laughs> none of them argue with him about it. I'd be like, Hey, <laughs> we're watching something. He's like, my head is splitting. And Will is like, wow, you're cranky. And he's like, yes, can't imagine why I didn't sleep well in my beach ball. <laughs> while they all had the bed. I don't know why like Giles wouldn't bring like blankets and like nicer stuff from his house. It's not like they have to only use Xander's supplies. Go to the store and get a blow-up bed. Something would be better than that. Yeah. Anyway. I can't wait till they give more to Anya's character because all she has been the past few episodes is literally just like jealous girlfriend and or clingy and or thirsting yeah. over Xander. And I'm like, I'm getting a little bored of it, to be honest. Yeah. And I like Anya, but that's also because I've seen the whole series. Um, but I'm just saying that like, I don't know. I just don't really like the direction. They're, they're just not doing anything with her character right now. And like you mentioned before, Taps, that kind of seems to be on par for what they do with significant others. They did the same with Cordelia. Yeah. They pretty much did the same with Jenny until the very last minute. Um, everybody's significant others have like don't have much going on 
apart from Except for Riley this episode, apparently. Yeah, they decided to dump <laughs> all of it into one episode. And we're like, really? whoa, why should I care? Um, this this moment is really cool, though. Um, Giles' tattoo from Igon is actually visible on his arm, which I thought was a oh, little I never nice that. continuity thing here. They're not always great at continuity, but sometimes Yeah, they, they are. really are not. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Um, Anya's like, Buffy, you should get a boring boyfriend, especially since the whole angel thing happened. Um, but she can't then, have Xander. Uh, yeah, but she can't have Xander. Buffy's like, I'll try to keep that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that Buffy doesn't make few people feel like stupid or whatever. She just kind of like makes yeah. like a like a like a funny comment and then just like moves on. Like she doesn't really like linger in pettiness, which I, I love about her. And then the episodes yeah. where she like is fully petty, I live for because we never get to see <laughs> but like petty Buffy. And most of the yeah. time it's like she's like being like her soul's Overly being sucked nice. out of her from Kathy. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, well, I guess she just didn't want to go back to her family. I understand that. We're like, Buffy. (laughs) I do like the little bonding moment that Buffy and Anya have here. Like Buffy says, I'm already at the I hurt when he hurts. I smile when he smiles stage. And Anya's like, oh, I hate that part. And I'm like, aww. But also I call BS. I know Buffy likes him. But also like I fully believe that if they were to break up at this point, Buffy would be like heartbroken for an episode and move on. I think there's a difference because like it – when you really care for somebody, like I could feel that with somebody I'm friends with. Like it, it, those are interchangeable emotions. I don't know if she's really in love with Riley, you know what I mean? Based on that interpretation. Like right. if someone I know is hurting, like I'm going to be like, you know, sad and hurting with them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, yeah. And given the fact that like Doomed was what, like three, four episodes ago where she basically had to be like manipulated, bullied, and coerced into a relationship with Riley. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I know. I'm very proud of myself for using those three words. Um, <laughs> but they're three accurate. observations. <laughs> three excellent observations. Thank you, Debbie. <laughs> but you know, like I just don't – I don't know that I buy that she's fully invested in him. But yeah, who knows? Time will tell. I think that she thinks that she is. Okay. They don't know that right. we know that they know that we know that we yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> The thing uh, is the show, it doesn't matter because Buffy could be fully invested, but the show has not done a great job of showing us that she is. So at this point, it doesn't matter whether she is or not because we don't believe it. We don't buy it. And you have to convince us. Yeah. So Xander runs in is like, turn on the news. And then they turn on the news and they're talking about the boy that died out in like the woods um buffy's mad of course she thinks it's her fault she takes everything on herself um she stands and gives orders and then there's a pause and she goes that probably would have sounded more commanding if i wasn't wearing my yummy sushi pajamas those sushi pajamas are actually like so many people want them they're super popular and they're like thousands of dollars apparently like they're really really expensive oh dang crazy i know Shh, don't tell you what I got her for Christmas. <laughs> oh, okay. Next year, Christmas next year. <laughs> so back in Riley's dorm, um, Forrest makes a joke about them having sex. Yada, yada. Get out of here, Forrest. Forrest, um, why are you obsessed with their sex life here? Uh, and all of a sudden, he's like all gung-ho about Riley and Buffy being close when he was like angry that they were – like he just – he flip-flops. He's whatever the writers want him to be in this situation. It's really frustrating. Yeah, I cannot stand him. So they go into Riley's room and then Riley kind of confides in him about what he heard about Walsh and then Forrest is like, well, she tends to get on people's bedside. Oh, my gosh. Like one second you're like, yeah, bone her. Another second you're like, she's annoying. <laughs> I know. Like she if deserves I were Riley, to die. <laughs> I'd be questioning and confused too if I had Forrest as a friend. I'd be like, what do you want, man? What do you want? Forrest is just so annoying. 
annoying. I literally can't stand him. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so they argue, and then he says Walsh probably thought she was doing something wrong. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> this guy's mood changes like a light switch. He's like, well, now that you really? mentioned it, I absolutely biggest, hate Buffy. <laughs> the biggest anger <laughs> issues. For real. If at the end of this arguing, he said, actually, I'm in love with Buffy, I think I would actually believe him. I'm like, okay, like, at least we're getting summer because this whiplash <laughs> makes no sense. <laughs> Forrest is like, I actually wanted her for myself. Either you're you in love with Buffy time. or you're in love with Riley. Like, this flip-flop does not make any <laughs> sense to me. I do appreciate that Riley, like, stands up for Buffy and is like, why does it bug you it's so much that I'm mom. hanging with her? He's like, is it because she's a better soldier than you? I was like, oh, snap, go for his butt. For real. He's no, like, are you pulling rank? It's because uh, Riley's taking him away from him. <laughs> yeah. Riley's taking himself away from Forrest. And then I love how they give this scene to Graham to come in to tell that she's dead because he barely says anything anyway. So having him just walk in all solemn is just Graham being Graham. So they don't even see anything different when he walks in. They always and give he- Graham like the bad news to come in <laughs> and like break up an argument. <laughs> he has the deadpan down. Um, tells him the Walsh is dead. Uh, you can see the wires in Riley's head ticking. I mean, at this point, Buffy really does kind of look sus, you know? For sure. Um, and then in the initiative, they go to see the body. And two, I don't know the actor's name. I feel so bad. The actor's name of Forrest. I'm sure you're a good dude. I really hate your character. But his acting job when he saw Walsh on the floor, he did a really stellar job. If you notice him, like, like he turns away as if he looks like he's going to vomit in such a mm-hmm. believable way. Like he did a really good job. So props to you. And he's like, look at that wound. She's been staked, wouldn't you say, brother? And I was like, wow, jumping to conclusions, wouldn't you say, Forrest? Like- but I think since things do kind of look sus, though, especially if, like Walsh is dead right after they say that Buffy accused Walsh of killing her, it does kind of look that way. So this, like, don't get me wrong. I don't like Forrest, but I think him saying that kind of makes sense from what they were just talking about. Be reasonable, Tabby. No, don't be reasonable, actually. Follow me down in this pit of hatred. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I don't like Forrest. And the things that he said in the argument a scene ago make me really mad, but I think it's different when you see the type of wound it is. Like, I would spiral to that too if I were him, you know? It's Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. I think that they did a really good job of planting reasonable doubt for yeah. Riley and kind of building him up. Because genuinely, if you're in his shoes, you don't know what to think. It's just frustrating that once again, Forrest is the voice of Riley's inner monologue. Like Riley's probably already questioning these things and they had to have Forrest say it out loud to make yeah. Riley not look as bad. Yeah, of course. Again, Forrest has to be like the complete misogynistic douchebag that like to make Riley look better, you know? Um, he says that Buffy has blinded him, um, and then they, like, are, you know, sizing themselves up about to fight, and then, um, Dr. whatever his name is. Angleman. Anglefoot. Yeah. Um, Which I mean, (laughs) I don't like Forrest, but I will say the timing of it would look sus. Like, if, if Riley had just told him, like, oh, Professor Walsh and Buffy, like, are kind of at odds, and then Buffy thinks that Professor Walsh tried to kill her, and then Professor Walsh dies, I'd be like, Buffy killed her. Like, yeah. if I didn't know Buffy and I knew how strong Buffy was, I that's where my mind would go as well. So totally. I don't necessarily completely fault him for that being where his mind goes. Yeah. It, again, and I mean, we're just we're broken records at this point, but it is frustrating. Like, Forrest wanted to go out with Buffy when she was just another mattressable college co-ed. He found her tiresome, 
when she was all his buddy Riley could talk about. So when she turns out to be this like incredibly like skilled warrior with a mind of her own, questioning everything and putting herself at odds with Dr. Walsh, he calls her a supernatural freak and questions her loyalties. So again, he he is the voice of the initiative and stuff like that. And he's just supposed to be the physical and verbal rep- like representation of all that. But it's it's frustrating because it's a person of color. I know. They keep like shorthanding all these like POC characters. Like either they're not fleshed out enough, they died too early, or they're just Forrest. Like, come on, guys. And I do want to give him a little bit of grace because Forrest probably has been subjected to Walsh's programming and all that stuff as well. Like we know he's been drugged. We know that he's probably been like raised similarly. I don't think as intensely as Riley because Riley was very obviously the favorite. Um, But I mean, even him saying brother to Riley, like there's a very common like family theme that runs through here because of what happens with Adam at the very end of the episode. Or cult. Yeah, cultish. Yes. And that's what that's what like the military kind of does mm-hmm. is it creates this family like we're brothers. We've been through something tragic together. It bonds you, but it also it makes it really hard for you to walk away from all of that, even if it is toxic. And so it 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 builds loyalties, good or bad, you know, and it's often manipulated and used against people. Um, so after he like the scientist breaks them up, Riley says that he thinks it's the demon from last week that they were trying to catch. Um, and then the scientist says there's nothing they can do. Um, and then as soon as he leaves, he's like, Hey, I'm still like in charge, talks to the recruits in the hall and is like, We're gonna go and get the demon. Um, from here on out, you'll notice that Riley starts to scratch his hand because we notice like it gets all like scratched up by the end of the episode and the script intentionally says, start having Riley scratching his hand here. And you'll notice throughout the rest of the episode, it's like a tick until we realize that he's going through drug withdrawal. So we see them in broad daylight go into the graveyard of all places. Is it the demon would just be wandering around when the sun's still beaming? Um, (laughs) and Forrest and Graham go into Spike's crypt. They're like, oh, someone's in here. They touch the TV. It's warm. Um, and then they open up the tomb and then see a skeleton. I love how like Spike just isn't like he doesn't care to like take out like <laughs> the bones that are just sitting he hides in underneath it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then they like walk out and then Forrest in his fit of rage just breaks the TV for literally no reason. Like and he's okay, like animals Forrest. as he like <laughs> ragefully just like tears things apart. You're like who's the actual animal here, Forrest? Real, he scares me. If you were an actual person, I'd be like, never come near me. Leave me alone. Also, looks like this is another another way in which the show is also subtly pushing Spike together with the Scoobies because now in order to get a TV, Spike's going to have to earn money from Giles again. So like they continually are pushing them together. And the outside hills that look like they're in the Mojave Desert out in California where we live. <laughs> Lancaster. Um, <laughs> for real, looks like it's like out here or like maybe like in Acton. Um, um, in my notes, I wrote Buffy dressed like Dr. Ellie Sattler getting ready to go dig up some dinosaur bones. <laughs> oh, I, I loved her fit. Love it was so cute. Fit. I think it's a good um, elevated like older look because we know that in the later seasons they try and specifically share Michelle Geller. Oh, my gosh. Shara, Shara Michelle, Sarah, Miller. Sarah Michelle Geller <laughs> wanted, <laughs> wanted to wear more jeans and stuff because it would get really cold on set and all that and stuff. She had so bruises. I think that, yeah, and she had bruises, valid. But it's like I like that this is a it's like a jean look, but it's it's still very buffy. It's very cute and it's very like so cute. It's just so cute. However, why the frick are they at the crime scene? 
Um, why is she allowed so close to a literal dead child? There should, like, the cops should be telling them to go away. Especially Riley, who comes in literally combat gear. How was he allowed there? How? Because he's military and it's the initiative that's um, picking up the body and all that stuff. Because they're trying to cover up. The initiative isn't taking care of the little boy's body. They already broadcast that. It was on the news. That's what I'm saying. The time it's the regular police. Um, well, that's what they want you to believe, but I'm fairly certain the initiative is going to go and cover up because they, like, Dr. Engelman and such, they know, like, they talked about how, like, the military was coming in to take over the crime scene. They, like, Dr. Engelman mentions that in the scene before. He's like, they want, they want none of us to, like, they want to shut it down. They basically want to, like, do an internal investigation, which means they're also going to take care of this boy's body as well. Are you sure this is not like another casualty? Because it like it was broadcasted that morning, and this is this looks like it's like midday. No, like, this is the little boy. This is the it, the script says. But it why is. would they broadcast it and then just leave the child there there for like hours? Like the timing doesn't make any yes. sense. No, it, it yeah, this is not how things would actually work. Like they would take care of the boy's body first, and then they that's what I'm saying. It. Like it makes yeah. no, no sense. Right. Like when I you're watched totally this episode, right. if you guys didn't say that, I would have for sure thought this was another casualty. Like yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like in the middle of the episode, we're gonna go and take care of the baby's body. Like that makes no sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Buffy sees the gurney, and then Buffy turns around, sees Riley, and then she tries apologizing to him. Um, and then Riley is like, Walsh is dead, and says, happy now. Mm-hmm. Fun, mm-hmm. fun, fun, fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, you could definitely tell like his like civilian Riley is gone for the moment. He's soldier Riley. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like very pissed off and then very calloused. Um Buffy says that she'll find the demon, she'll kill it, and she's angry and says that – oh, and she says, like, then you could stop asking me if I'm happy with all of this death. Get him, girl. Get girl. him. Yeah, and again, planting more seeds of doubt because he's over there, like, almost convinced that she's the one that did it. And then she's over there like, hey, the Polgara demon, which, like, again, he keeps, like, teetering back and forth because he sees that it could be a Polgara demon and there's good evidence for it and – and then Tara, we haven't seen her. Or I feel like we haven't Tara. seen her. We probably saw her last episode, but she's like so like sparse in these episodes that I'm like, oh yeah, we get to see her. It's a breath of fresh air of like just this like sweet feminine energy versus yeah. like all of this like, calmness, stuff. sunshine. Like every scene with her, you're just like Tara. Like she's just like smiley and happy and oh, I, I want to go hang out her. in her room. I know, I know. it looks so yeah. inviting. <laughs> yeah, it's so cozy. Seriously. Okay. And this, this scene was like, I think there's a lot of innuendo in this scene. <laughs> I like the spell we did last time. I kept thinking about it. I'm like, okay. Really? I'm not here just to do spells. I'm like, okay. A whole <laughs> lot of subtext here. I wrote, Tara must be good at spells. <laughs> but also like the fact that, uh, not Buffy, the fact that Willow had to sit there and be like, like, it's not just the spells. I like hanging out with you. It's such a classic thing to say other than mm-hmm. spells. Classic thing to say when you're like hooking up with somebody to be like, it's not just like your body that I like. It's like, I like hanging out with you. You know what I mean? I've um, been thinking about that last spell we did all day. And then like yeah. the way that Allison Hannigan conveys the lines is so breathy. She's like, this one should be fun too. We conjure. Like it's all like breathy versus like, <laughs> hey, we'll conjure the goddess thespian. It's like very like – like sexy yeah. and alluring and you're like what in the world <laughs> i mean to be fair like like allison hannigan 
does portray Willow in that aspect too. So it's not like so much to the point where you're like in on it super quickly. Um, sure. But like they could, if someone were to like hold a candle to this, they could deny it if they needed to. But there's a <laughs> lot, there's a lot of like, okay, what's going on here? It, it just escalates too. Is that you, at first you're like, wait, is this? And then like the next thing they say, you're like, oh, wait. And then it goes on. And you're like, okay, you're like, can't, I can't deny it. Can't it can't be yeah. anything else, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then Will's like, okay, like I need to do a spell with you again to find demon energy. Um, and then we jump back into the demon bar. We haven't been here in a while. Willie. Yeah, it's been since amends, which is crazy. A whole year. Willie is like rolling his eyes. He's like, eh, of course. And then Buffy walks in, a vamp sees her, and then just scoots out silently. <laughs> I love that. Um, she asked about like the the I don't forget what the demon's name that they're trying to find. Polgara. Oh, yeah. She's looking for the Polgara, but doesn't realize that it's Adam at this point. Willie says that he can't look like he's dealing with her. um, And then she's like, okay, fine. I'll punch you. And then (laughs) she punches him. And and I love how, like, she punches him and he didn't really have anything to say anyway. I'm like, you clearly could have just said that. Like, it took two (laughs) seconds. I don't know. He's trying to save his bar. He doesn't want the clientele to think that he's dealing with the Slayer willingly. Well, I think it's interesting because this whole interaction, like, Buffy is like – prime example of like think smarter not harder like she's not going in killing every single demon she sees blah 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 blah. like she's just focusing on the ones that are an actual threat buffy also has the knowledge and experience to know that not every demon is evil Mm -hmm. like some are just kind of biding their own time like they're just kind of chilling you know yeah and why waste all your time and energy killing all those ones when you can go and find the ones that are actually going to murder or in the world and so it's like it's really showing the difference between Buffy's like kind of experience and Riley's book training like his book training Mm -hmm. is kill every demon you ever see ever because that's your job whereas Buffy's is take care of the actual threats Mm -hmm. yeah and like what we talked about like understanding motivation and stuff will actually help you be better at your job instead of just mindlessly killing Mm -hmm. as you guys are saying that I was like my mind was spiraling like what if they did a Buffy reboot not with Buffy but maybe another like Slayer and then, like, it would be cool to kind of tackle, like, because I, I kept thinking about, like, what, would, like, why wouldn't Buffy come in here and just, like, massacre everyone? But I'm like, because, like, she has to, like, you know, hold on to her humanity. But, like, would that be such an interesting storyline where it's, like, a, like, half a season, the Slayer is, like, struggling with, like, the evil part of her. And they really went there where she just, like, just enjoyed and would seek out just, like, a, um, like, these, like, holes of, like, or bars or whatever with a ton of demons and vamps and yeah. would just like massacre them. That'd be really cool. Yeah. I mean, we haven't seen Buffy truly yeah. abuse her power at this point. Like we've we had seen the hits of bad it in, girls. Yeah. I was about to say that like, yeah. we've seen like in some episodes, like a, like a hinge of it, but like we haven't seen that from Buffy. That'd be really yeah. like jarring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'd be interesting. Yeah. But it's also a great area because it's like they're all demons and vampires, but it's yeah, like at the sake of the your wrong. own self though. You know, yes, yeah. Could you live with that knowing that they technically haven't done anything? Oh, yeah. And then Riley comes in and he's not looking so good and he's like picking a fight um, and saying that she's socializing with them. Like you can see him being like, what is reality? Um, As Kate Hudson said in Glass Onion. (laughs) Glass Onion. (laughs) Oh, she was amazing in that. What is reality? I, I will say there are some subtle 
parallels to this episode in Amends when Angel was at kind of like his breaking point. Um, that's the last time we were at Willie's. Buffy came to Willie's for information to find out um, what was tormenting Angel. And in this one, she's kind of trying to figure out about the initiative. So it's just kind of like, I don't know if it's intentional or not. I don't know if the writers just kind of like end up recycling some of the same storylines and stuff, but um, it just kind of reminds me of that. Riley asks like what Buffy is, which is kind of like, that'd be very like hurtful to Buffy because she's like, I thought I've like showing you, but it's also him kind of questioning what reality mm-hmm. actually is in that moment. Yes, that is exactly right, Tabs. We hear this phrase used a lot in this episode. And you know who the other person is that asks, who are you or who am I is Adam. So parallels between Riley and Adam in this one. And I think it's basically the tagline of this season. It's identity. So who are you? Who are these people? And I, Buffy needs to figure out her identity as she's like, it's interesting because Buffy has been trying to figure out like she's embraced being a slayer, right? But she hasn't really embraced, like she's trying to figure out how she can marry her slayer life with her human life. And so this season was her figuring out her identity as a human and trying to be a part of initiative in an effort to be more normal. And this episode is very clearly showing Buffy starting to break away from that and realizing that, no, I don't think the initiative is where I need to be. Um, And so like Buffy's trying to figure stuff out. Riley's trying to figure stuff out. Adam, who are all these people, you know? And I think uh, the next episode is Who Are You? I think is the name of the episode too, which is really interesting. It's either this year's Identity. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. I just feel like a lot of these themes in season four are just so obvious. I prefer a lot more <laughs> like, like, oh my gosh, we'll we'll get to the whole obvious parallels between Adam and Riley in the last scene that I'm like rolling my eyes literally rolling my eyes to my back of my guys, head guys do not bring I literally have so much to talk about in the last scene <laughs> okay alright I'm holding it back <laughs> Leah's like sitting here like not talking at all because if she does she'll just explode <laughs> there's just so much to say in that last scene not last but like the last important scene yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so Riley pulls out a gun at the girl and is like, if I shoot her, nothing will really matter. Um, he's growing delusional and Buffy's like trying to snap him out of it. He can't tell anymore what's real or not. This was the most interesting scene to me in the whole Mm -hmm. episode, just because I think that it's cool seeing, um, Riley slip. I think it's cool seeing him, you know, question things. I mean, you guys have been talking about it, but just like. The fact that he's, like, really sitting there and being like, am I going to have a guilty conscience if I kill this person? Like, is this a person? Is it a human being? Do I care about killing human beings? Like, it's just, like, one of those things where it's it's very interesting. And it was one of the parts in the episode where I was like, wow, Riley's an intriguing character right now. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I haven't really felt that at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like – He's human. He just harbors a demon, which makes him a good guy. Like, what's good? What's bad? I was told all demons are bad. All humans are, well, somewhat good, you know, like have souls. And it's he's like questioning all of this. The um, the script, I will say, because like he grabs Buffy and kind of like manhandles her for a minute. Um, and he says, the truth, Buffy, now in the script says, Buffy also hardens. She doesn't put up with this crap, not from anybody. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, Buffy. <laughs> Don't let him. I know. I love that because it's like they're like <clears throat> supposed to be in love in their honeymoon phase and like they could have had 
the female character in this scenario be manhandled and like recoiled and been scared, even though like they have superpowers or not superpowers, but they have strength or whatever. It's like this is still like somebody in the military. This is somebody that like has like a lot of strength as well and someone that you love, you know, but Mm -hmm. she doesn't do that. She's never done that. Even with like Angel like up on the roof, not the roof, the hilltop, it's like she's desperate in that moment for sure and they like hit each other, but she like – she fights back. But she's also like tender in that moment where he is like – like like not – it's hard because that's – we've talked about It's very nuanced because it's supposed to be like they're in – they're like – punching or whatever is supposed to be like metaphorical. Um, but when he's like holding her and says like, am I a man worth saving? That's supposed to be more of like her like letting go and showing him softness in order to like rail him back in. So it's a little bit different. It's not like her being weak. That moment is also like we talk a ton about how Buffy is Angel's metaphorical like journey and how she's mm-hmm. the, the spark that gets him going. And so when he's fighting her in that moment, it's a physical representation or a, a, a metaphorical representation of, of Angel himself. wrestling with yeah. his identity, his future, and his mission. He's going, give me a purpose to his mission. And his mission speaks back and says, I care. And it's it's all very metaphorical. So there's a reason for it. It's not just a like even though I don't condone violence in you know like a relationship it's different because it's a vampire and a slayer she's always stronger no, for than sure him and yeah for sure i'm just saying that like like in that moment buffy was soft and recoiled and cried because that's what she needed in order to like snap him out of his like delusion and in a different way but him just kind of like like not wanting to be here anymore like that's what he needed is softness to be like i need you here i want you to fight like i have to fight every day you know whereas in this moment it's like like that's not the same thing that's happening here. Like Buffy's no, she like, you can't touch me like that. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Totally. There's a difference between the two, you know? Yep. So Riley kind of like stops, takes on the gun. The girl runs out. Um, and then we jump back into the basement. She puts a blanket over him and he just like takes it off. <laughs> Severe case of the man cold right now. No, just kidding. <laughs> I, I honestly felt like Mark Blukas, like hats off. I know we've criticized his acting, but this was phenomenal. The way that he says what's happening to me, he's breaking down. Like we're watching the physical and the mental and the emotional breakdown. And it just, it was really, really well done. It made me almost care, almost care. <laughs> just kidding. I care. I think, I don't think it's his, his fault. Um, he was a newer actor in the beginning, so I think he was trying to find his groove. But I don't think he's a bad actor by any means. But he did a stellar job in this episode. Also, the writing, <laughs> the writing for sure. Great. Like I think it just was like like a like a he was given the best. Yeah, Passion the Nerd scenario. had a really really interesting observation for this scene, and then later on at the very end. But he he says. Riley wasn't just drugged by Maggie. He was psychologically manipulated to depend on her and be almost codependent in his relationship with her. Now that he's lost her, who's he now leaning on? Another woman. And this moment can come across as creepy and possibly not as healthy. Like I know it can be healthy. Like he's reliant. Like you need each other in these moments. But it is kind of interesting that like he's going from one woman to the next. And so like it's not necessarily bad now, but how we move forward from here could tell a lot about like how emotionally stable and healthy Riley is. You know? It's just funny that this like soldier masculine man and this is just like so, you know, perfect for how reality actually is and then they get sick and then they're just like take care of me 
<laughs> the man cold is real, y'all. Is real. I will say though, he like he looks bad. He low key looks yeah. like the, the makeup department did a good job because every time I look at Riley, I'm like, oh my, go get some medicine. Like, insane. Oiled him up with some petroleum jelly. They're like, gotta look sweaty. And then he's like scratching his hand like raw. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It looks bad. Um, she takes off her headband or her bandana. I'm like, no. <laughs> I like so it was cat. so cute. Their theme um, plays again right here in case you I could not tell attention. you what it sounds like still. Sorry. <laughs> um and then like binds it to his hand, which doesn't really <laughs> make sense because it's like it's not an actual bandana. It has like the it's little like strings on the side. It has like one like triangle shape yeah <laughs> that just covers the dusty. top layer and then that's it yeah it's there for the last shot that's what it is yeah i know it's supposed to be metaphorical whatever he says he doesn't know anything he asks if he's the bad guy um he's just like shaking poor guy does not look good and then she tells him to lie down he lies down and then of course we need xander again because of his Soldier freaking training. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's annoying. But I will say I really appreciate this because I think this is the first time Buffy's asked for Xander's help this season. They haven't had a lot of one-on-ones. Yes, yeah. and you know what? Xander needs this because he's feeling useless just like Giles. Yeah. So this was kind of like his moment. And you know what? I, I can't believe I'm saying this. I am actually – I missed their dynamic. It was really fun. It was so good. It's because both of them are normal. Like usually like it would be like him cracking jokes about sex before he had like a girlfriend that he was having sex with, I should say. So like he just was like chill Xander, which is my preferred Xander. I liked it though. It was good. Yeah, for sure. Uh, We go back into Tara's room. Then they're going to call on Thespia. And you can see Tara's eyes being like, Thespia, I did not (laughs) – I did not uh, – I didn't sign up for this. Yeah, what are I didn't we doing? sign up for this, yeah. <laughs> uh, they start doing the spell. She hands both of them like herbs or whatever that is. And then they blow the herbs at the very end and then Tara puts it into a trash can while Will's eyes are closed. Wonder what that's for. The spell doesn't work because she sabotages it. And I'm like, oh, wait a yeah. minute. We don't deal with that this episode. Are we going to talk about this? Like what's, I know. What's going on? <laughs> You're like They just go to the next scene. You're like, wait a minute. You're like, wait, well, what's going on? That's kind of a big thing. Also, this is incredibly useful. So you're telling me that Will could do this for Buffy in order to find every vampire in Sunnydale? Dude. <laughs> yeah. What are the actual rules of like the witchcraft? Like how we really actually sat down and be like, nope. what can Willow do here? It just sounds like also, episode, episode. how does Willow keep finding these spells? Like it just comes <laughs> to Tara and she's like, oh my gosh, Tara. Like I literally just found this now where you raise people from the dead. <laughs> and Tara's just like, okay. Like where is she just finding? Like online? Like I'm so confused. Well, I mean, there are these things called grimoires and there are magic shops, you know, <clears throat> okay, like sex shops where they're doing different spells. You could find – there's things that like, you know, people write down stuff. I'm sure she's probably like researching it, but yes, that very valid point. <laughs> In the initiative dorm area, whatever that is, um, Buffy looks like a freaking librarian. I'm like, what is – okay? So cute. You've been so here before cute. though. Like people know what you look like. Make yourself look a little bit more – I don't know, whatever. It's the, it's the Marvel the, people, the Marvel so costume, whatever. or no, I should say, it's the superhero costume. Put on glasses, Superman. and no one, it's no one will know it's you. Yeah. <laughs> put your hair up. Become all of a sudden, it's the '90s or like the 2000s '90s thing of put your hair up and put glasses on, and all of a sudden you're not hot anymore. I'm uh-huh. sorry, 
excuse me. Glasses don't say, make though, you hot or not the hot. The scene where like Xander's like, quickly, let's make out. And then Buffy's <laughs> like, what are you doing? Made me actually cackle because it's me like too. that that would be my thought is like, oh my gosh, like let, like let's do something. What did the movie show us? And then like Buffy's like, Xander, like you're literally a military man and I'm a scientist. Like us making out in the hallway is gonna be way more confusing than anything. <laughs> She's like, people here don't make out. And he's like, oh. <laughs> she goes, this is the initiative, Xander. Scientists and military guys don't make out with each other. And he's like, well, hey, maybe that's what's wrong with the world. Ever think about that? <laughs> yeah, this whole dynamic was so good. I I cracked up when like he's like, hey, Buffy, why are you checking yourself out in the mirror? Like, what's going on? And how she's like, oh my gosh, if the if my like my card has been revoked and we're not able to get into this elevator, which I was like, hush established that there's stairs. Like you could take stairs oh, down. Oh my too. gosh, the plot holes in this episode. It's also pretty bad. Am I am I like, did I miss it? But like, where did Buffy's lab coat come from? Because she walked in through the elevator. She was holding it. Yeah, she oh, put I did, it on. I did not. Your, I did not see it. Because I was wondering, like, what is she holding? Also, the, again, with the penis metaphor, they walk into the initiative, just like with Buffy and Riley. Xander's like, "Whoa, can I have sex with Riley too?" Like, it just they keep. Oh my gosh, I just can't. Back in the basement, Will says the spell failed, and she's like a little bit confused. Um, do they think just Will is doing all these spells by herself? Like, when they just like look up, being like, <laughs> "Hey, there needs to be another person for this." Uh, well, <laughs> who, who's your other person doing this spell you know what I mean like, it doesn't make any sense yeah. like Giles would know that certain spells because he's done them before that certain spells would need another person right I don't get the sense that Giles is like as deep into magic as Willow is now. I think there are certain things he's done. He dabbled, but I don't think he was like a full. But I feel like, like he would know that like if you have to call on like like the god of Thespia, you'd probably need like a, a person that grounds you. You know. I think everyone is like far too concerned with other things right now to even like think about it. I don't know. Season three, Giles would know. Um, Riley's up and he's antsy. He scares Willow when she pulls like this. Scares me. <laughs> I was like, oh, jump scare. scare. <laughs> um, they said that Buffy went to the initiative um, and they start like panicking. He pushes Willow and then he leaves. <gasps> Gasp. How dare you? Stop manhandling the woman. I know. Come on, Riley. Your misogyny is showing. Uh, Giles, coming to Willow's defense. We love to see it. Uh, back at the initiative, they hear two scientists talking um, conveniently right next to them about how all the soldiers are being drugged. <laughs> and then they Through can't their afford- food <laughs> in yeah. the cafeteria that everybody else eats at? What is going on here? I don't understand. And they said that they can't afford to lose Riley because um, they imply that stuff will happen if that happens. Uh, no, duh. We've been seeing that. <laughs> You're like, really? No um, back way. at the demon bar, Spike is talking to Willie about his crypt. And then we just jump straight back to the initiative. Okay. Thank you. All these like random jumps here and there. You're like, okay. <laughs> They're obviously building up to future episodes and stuff. And they need to – they need to show that Spike is also an outcast, and I'll talk more about that in the later in the later scene. But yeah, there's like a lot of things going on this episode. It's like stuff with Tara, Spike. Oh yeah, and then Riley, and then where is Adam in all this? Like it's just a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, back in initiative, she follows a scientist, um, and then Riley comes in as well, and she's interrogating him about Walsh. He says the Walsh wanted her dead, and says it was the project, um, and that the project escaped. 
And then Riley is just like, having a, he's a struggle bus. He's struggling to like just process what's happening. Dr. Engelman's like, Finn, take this girl to the stockade immediately. I'm like, okay, does this guy not know that they are dating? Like he was there when they introduced Buffy into the initiative. He knows. Like Maggie talked to this guy about Riley and Buffy. Like there's just a lot of like – there's things in this episode that just don't make sense. But also, stockade? What century are we in? I was just thinking that. Like, like what, what are we thinking? What, what, what is that from? <laughs> Take me to like, the stockade. That's literally like medieval. Like stockade. Like that's like pre-jails. Like it's you're gonna not, be- it's, it's not medieval. It's, it's oh, it's spirit. The, the Wild West. It's, spirit, it's the yes. Wild West. It's yeah. um, a stockade uh, to the post. How I know they have jail cells. They put all the demons in there. Are those called the stockade? Like I, oh, <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> yeah, that is true. I didn't even think about that. I'm over here like, um, dude, you know they're dating. You know he's not going to listen to you. Anyway, <laughs> they put whatever. her in the town square. People throw tomatoes at her. Tar and feather her. How we dare she? Slayer. Get yeah. out of our town. <laughs> Burn the witch. <laughs> For real. He gets a freaking Riley gets all grabby again, and then a body just randomly drops. And they're like, "What? What did they ask? What made him answer me? I don't remember." Okay, so what happens is he, um, Buffy's like, "Why did Maggie want to kill me?" Doctor Engelman spills beans on three fourteen, um, and then. Riley's like freaking out. He's like, what are you talking about? She was, you're making her sound like she was a psychopath. She was a brilliant woman. And I was like, okay, I mean, a psychopath can also be brilliant. Those things aren't mutually exclusive. Yeah. But also, Riley, it's like, dude, she was the leader of a secret government organization and you don't think she had any secrets? Yeah, you're expecting really? full transparency here. Yeah. And she was female, you guys. So like, clearly she's not oh. sane. To the asylum with you. To the stockades. Yeah, to the stockade. Sorry. <laughs> Riley says, or Buffy says, Riley, stop. This is not about us. We just have to find out what was in 314. And then Adam says, me, and drops the body. Okay, like, Leah. Oh, okay, Leah. It's, this scene is so boring. Like, the way it's <laughs> shot. Like, no, that, no, 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 no. no. I, I, have so, I have so much more to say. But I'm saying, like, the reveal of the big bad to Buffy is usually, like, a big deal. Sure. You think of, like, when Buffy first saw the master, when she like saw Angelus, not Angel, like the first time that her and Faith have like a, a you know a real like oh this is who Faith is, not who she has been pretending to be, like mm-hmm. all of those were deep cutting moments. Whereas this is so boring. I think part of it is the scenery; it's so bleak and boring. Um. But also just like the dialogue is so dry. You can tell that 90% of this interaction is purely to just get information out of the way Mm -hmm. because they want to set up Adam. That's their Mm -hmm. whole point. They want to set up Adam and they want to get all questions about Adam and what his, what his main, like, uh, his goals and motivations. Yeah. What his motive is going to be. And it's so boring. I was like watching it. I was like, this is so obvious. This is not mm-hmm. entertaining to watch. This is just information. And the freaking discs or whatever the frick they're called. Floppy discs. Yeah, yeah, floppy discs. Like as a way to like use information was so lazy. It was so <laughs> lazy. Instead of actually showing Maggie Walsh like make him and create him and like write in her journal and like all that and having us kind of like figure it out ourselves – the fact that like it's all just spoken from Adam is so sure. 
lazy and boring. I just hated this scene. I hated it. I thought I was like, this insults our intelligence to just be like, this is all the information you need. He's the evil villain. We're all good. End the episode. Like, it was so, I just hated it. I was like, this is annoying to me. But, like, it doesn't seem very intelligent, the way it's written, like, at all. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm I'm sorry, but, like, the writers have written some beautiful things, but they really dropped the ball here. Like, mm-hmm. I, like it was just so obvious. It was talking about how, like, they're, they're brothers because they, like, rely on Walsh and, like, they're, like, being brainwashed in this way and yada, yada, yada. They don't know who they are. Are they monster? Are they good? Are they half mm-hmm. man, man? They're half monster. It's, like, it, it's just too much. Like, it, I don't know. I was watching it and I was like, I've seen, I've seen a lot of things. <laughs> this <laughs> this one makes me want to like ring my head against the wall. Like, and I, Buffy is such a great show, and I love it to death. But this is one of those times where I'm just like, what is this? Like, guys, we could do better. We could do better. Yeah, the and it's interesting. So as soon as he drops to the floor, the show doesn't pan over to Buffy to see her reaction to Adam. It's all Riley. It pans to Riley. And I mean, we talked about this earlier, but the show is trying to tell us about Riley through Adam. The problem is we haven't learned very much about, again, Riley's motivations, his hopes, his dreams. So this is all news to us. All Things Philosophical says this. Adam knows perfectly well what he is. He's a biomechanical hybrid of demon, human, and machine. Who he is is another question. So again, this is a reflection of of Riley. He has a name and a mission given to him by a scientist who thought of herself as his mother, but he also has a design flaw that allows him to behave in a way contrary to the mission intended for him, being an obedient demon-hunting soldier. If he isn't who he was designed to be, then who is he? Who were the individuals, the demons, the humans that went into making up him? Is he one of those individuals? If not, how much weight does each of those things carry? And that's kind of like, it's a representation of Riley. The thing is, again, we don't care. And it's interesting because I the show and the writers, we get the sense, don't seem to know what to do with both Riley and with Adam. And apparently, that's what the actor who played Adam thought as well. So here's a quote from George Hertzberg. He was talking about how he went in and he actually was given a monologue of Adam's to do. And it was one of those things that, you know, he, he took he took the time to do it and he wasn't sure if like it, it worked or whatever. And he got an immediate callback like he wasn't even out of the building. Um, they gave him a couple of adjustments and they had him do it again. They liked the, his choice, like the way that he did it. He says, I knew that it was a recurring character when I went in, but I didn't know. I still don't really know. This was um, this interview was given in the middle of season four. I still don't really know to what extent because recurring is so ambiguous. They don't know as far as I understand what exactly they want it Adam to be. All I know is that I'm excited because I have an opportunity to bring a lot of what I want to do to this. I'm so jazzed. It's awesome. So then the interviewer asks him, like what, for example? And he says, a lot of the demons on the show, they have already, they kind of know how they want them to be. I think in a way, not that they don't know how they want this character to be, but I think that I have a little room to bring my own take on it a little. I mean, it's a new character that they are developing here. That's kind of what I mean. Besides, I'm grinning from ear to ear. So it sounds like the writers were kind of just like they 
had this rough idea of what they wanted Adam to be, but it wasn't fully fleshed out. So they were kind of okay with him bringing his own interpretations to the character because it also helped them inform how they were going to write it. And that's not to say they haven't done this before. They did this with Drusilla. They did this with Spike. Um, and it kind of became their own thing. But it is really interesting that this was like partway through season four. And they still, at that point, weren't really sure where they were going with it. I think that's kind of a problem, honestly. And it it, it reflects in the writing. I've, sometimes I feel sorry for actors that get put, like, in these positions. Because it's like they could, they're trying to do the best of what they're given. And they have no control over the scripts and all that stuff. So Right. Right. Yeah. That's a hard position to be in. He seemed to like it because that gave him more freedom. But in the midst of it, you don't know how well it's going right. to turn out. Is it going to be a good thing right. or a bad thing? Oh, my gosh. He, like, pulls out these, like, floppy disks. And then one of them just says, Riley, I was dying. <laughs> just say, like, his name written on it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's oh. really stupid, but it's supposed to be the visual representation of how you're fed information and how you don't think for yourself. You're just regurgitating stuff that you've been given. But I feel like it would have been like cooler if he just had like buttons on his arm or even on his <laughs> chest and then just pressed it and was like – and just had like no. it internally. We have to see each and every like thought change. <laughs> Or even if he just like he had like something in his eyes scanned or like I don't know, you know what I mean? Like he looks at somebody yeah, and he's like, Oh, totally. Riley, and you see him yeah. like recognizing, that'd be way yeah. cooler than taking out freaking floppy disks. Yeah. It just ages it, you know? Yep. Um, and then they start fighting Adam. Adam kills Mr. Ankle something. Um, Ankleman. <laughs> Ankle <yeah>. something. <laughs> Um, and then he lands a blow to Riley's like rib cage, which yikes. And then Adam leaves, all soldiers break down the door. Buffy says he needs to go to the hospital, and Forrest says he's like, We got it. Yeah, I, I this is interesting. Really briefly, while this isn't a super complex fight scene like other ones, I looked up an interview with Jeff Pruitt, the stunt coordinator, and the interviewer actually asked him how long it takes to get ready to do a fight. And he said that he comes in 30 minutes before he choreographs the fight. 30 minutes before the stunt people get there and he comes up with the whole thing and then he teaches it to the stunt people in another 30 minutes and then the camera crew, the director and everybody and the actors show up. They literally learn these fights in 30 minutes and I thought that was absolutely insane and impressive. Good for them. I know because it takes yeah. them usually like what on like the weekends to choreograph a lot of like fight stuff. I think it's usually more for like when it's two Bigger characters ones. that are like – Yeah, like like Buffy and Faith because like those yes. are so like they, they tell right. a story while they fight whereas this one's just kind of like fight and leave. Well, that one requires so much more from the actors too. Like you actually have to like see their faces versus totally. this one. You don't need to emotionally see what Buffy's going through as she, you know, pummels Adam. Oh, yeah. So the initiative takes Riley – I'm surprised that she just like let them. I'd be like, you're going to a hospital. Uh, but then they probably think it's like some sort of like overdose of some drug he's been taking or whatever. I don't know. They could figure it out. And then back at the demon bar, the demons beat up Spike and then kick him out. And this part was really interesting. He's like, you think you could just come here and hang out with us? He's like, we've mm-hmm. been hearing about all the things you've been doing. You've been like buddy, buddy with the Slayer. And he's like, next time you come, we won't like take it so easy on you. Mm-hmm. And then they – um leave him outside and he looks like he was like beat beat up and those like demons like their makeup is really good the guy's voice was so like deep too and like scary i was like wow like 
<laughs> we need more of these TVs. These kind of are cool. I feel like the random ones that kind of Replace them with Adam. Let's go. <laughs> well, okay. So we noted this in the initiative. Um, there's a lot of parallels between Spike and Riley. Both are outsiders. They're both unsure of where they fit in and belong. Um, and even if the initiative still embraces Riley at this point, he isn't sure if that's where he belongs. And as Buffy says in the next scene, he has nothing to hold on to and he's alone just like Spike. Um, and Markfield writes, Spike's experience with the demons in the bar follows the storyline of A Clockwork Orange, which we talked about in the initiative. There, Alex suffered physical violence at the hands of others after his conditioning in prison. In Alex's case, he had no choice because he couldn't fight back. In Spike's case, it's precisely because he can and therefore does fight demons that they reject him. We can say that the reaction of other demons is a sign that, like Riley, he's now lost or he had stolen the identity he once thought he had. He'll need to construct a new one. So Spike is still an outsider, not sure where he's at. Now Riley has to construct a new identity as well. And so like the parallels. It all comes back to Riley. And once again, Riley is the emotional center of the episode. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. All right. Almost done, gang. Um, Woo! And then outside in the blazing sun, outside campus, Willow and Buffy are talking about all that happened, kind of have to rehash everything because we're all like, wait, what just happened in this episode? <laughs> and the initiative has Riley. Buffy says that she could barely fight Adam, um, that he was too strong. You could definitely tell she's been like, I definitely underestimated whoever this thing was. Um, she says that she needs to be with Riley and that she shouldn't have let them take him. And she says that he's all alone and has nothing to hold on to. And then for the last scene or the last take um, in a hospital bed, we're assuming in the initiative, Riley looks at his bandaged hand with her bandana on it and then it goes to black. Yep. Looks at this point like he's – really just holding on because of Buffy, which can be good or can be bad because it seems like she's the only thing he has right now. Well, we did it, gang. We did it. I feel like from here on out, it gets a little bit easier. And I'm excited about the next couple of episodes because somebody from our past is going to come back. And I'm so excited to talk about it. It's going to be really, really fun. Spoilers. Just kidding. All right, guys. That was Goodbye, Iowa. Let us know your guys' thoughts. Do you guys – did you ever notice that Riley is kind of the emotional crux of season four? We keep talking about it, but what do you guys think they could have done better? How do you think we could have resonated a little bit more with Adam, with Riley, with maybe other people in this episode? Um, what would you have changed if you if you could have changed it, if you were in charge? Um, let us know. As always, you guys can find us on Instagram, on TikTok, on Tumblr, at Becoming Buffy Podcast, and you can email us at becomingbuffypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on all platforms, guys, and we will see you next time. Bye.